Hey guys, God bless and welcome back to True Encounter Wednesday Nights. Today we'll be entering part three of our series of implementing and impartation. And tonight we're going to be focusing exclusively on how to impart or how to implement, or I'm sorry, for better, I guess, wording, when to impart and when to implement. There are many situations in our lives where we find ourselves in situations where we're like, what do I say here? Or did I just say that? Or did I just hear that out of somebody's mouth? All of you have encountered something similar to this, and we want to help you guys tonight when to keep the mouth nice and quiet and shut, or when to express your opinion, your knowledge, your information, whatever you so deem to call it. But we are excited because we've learned on week one that we do need to implement certain teachings and tactics into our lives. Week two, how to impart said things, how to teach someone how to dribble a basketball, for example, how to be somebody who can teach who Jesus Christ is, who the, what the cross is about. Very, I guess, deep and simple things. But I really want to, I'm, I'm excited for this class because I learned so much through the Holy Spirit. Because when I first came to, or well, I guess back to the church, but I really believe to the feet of God because that my, my encounter five years ago was very personal and very personal, very powerful. But I believe when I came back, I had to put myself in check in many areas because we do get that, that itch to be like, I'm smart and I'm everything and I can, you, whatever it is you need, I'm that. And it's, it sounds nice, it sounds cool on the surface, but a lot of it could be prideful could be your ego, could be what you want to accomplish or a hidden agenda. So we have to make sure we're in tune with the Holy Spirit because we are going to be vessels that teach people, but we're also going to be vessels that get filled by other people. Amen? All right, guys, so let's get right into it. Nicole, if you can give me slide numero uno. Discerning when to release knowledge, information, and counsel, and when to keep quiet, listen, and learn is a very tough task for many people. I think, uh, like what I just said before, I think for me, why this, this slide, this very first slide is so important, is because we kind of skip the discernment part. We're just kind of like, again, we hear now, we hear something said to us, and we just respond. The word says in, in James 1.19 that we have to be quick to respond and quick to share knowledge. Right, Brian? No, it does not. It says it must be quick to listen. Now, my question to you is, why is the Holy Spirit telling me, or in this case, commanding me to listen. Because not everything you hear is exactly what's truly going on in a person. You ever heard someone be like, I'm fine. And you're like, no, you're not. But then you're like, you know what? I don't want to offend this person. So let me just ride the wave of I'm fine. There are going to be so many important moments in your life where this comes into play. But I think that the wisest people in this world that I've ever met they know when to be quiet. I am working on that 100%. One of my biggest flaws because I just love to help and I love to, to teach, I love to impart. But there's sometimes someone's going to give me this great thing and I got to be like, all right. And it's tough because one can argue, but Ken, are you helping that person? Honestly, yes. People sometimes just want to hear your opinion to validate their own opinion. So if I give you my opinion as your opinion, I'm validating you. So I got to be very cautious of how I approach certain things and certain scenarios and how I communicate what's in my mind. Because guys, we're not Jesus. So we're going to say some things that might sound phenomenal, might hit right there, get the round of applause, but is it what needed to be said? Amen? Next slide. All of this, it kind of like, I love how this verse illustrates it in Proverbs 9, 8 in the Amplified Version. It says, do not correct a scoffer who foolishly ridicules and takes no responsibility for his own error, or he will hate you. Correct a wise man who learns from his error, and he will love you. How many people out here are still trying to collect, correct clowns out there? Trying to be like, listen, man, come on, I told you a thousand times, dude, but well, I don't want to because I don't want to do that. And what happens is you're like, Lord, if this person would just know. Sometimes God's like, bro, time out, go pray for them, leave. There are other people who need to hear the truth. There are other people who are ripe. If you guys walk into a Costco or a King Kong, I'm sorry, the Instacart's coming out of me, and you see ripe bananas and you see, I guess, non-ripe bananas, and you're hungry today, are you going to get the non-ripe bananas? No one would do that. I'm hungry. I want bananas. My wife yesterday. After basketball, she's like, I want bananas. 
Gotcha bananas. If she wants bananas, I can't show up with green bananas. She doesn't want that. So there are times and decisions and moments that are happening live. And I feel like so many people, we get trapped in this. We're trying to give these, these responsibility tactics to a person who's like, I don't care about responsibility. And we're just sitting there trying to cultivate this soil that's pretty much dead. But then it says here, correct the wise man who learns from his error and he will love you. There's a whole difference. There's a hate and a love here. And sometimes out of your love, you're trying to correct somebody, but their foolishness proceeds to hate you. And it's tough. And you know what? A lot of people get hurt doing that. So when God's like, Shh, let them speak. Go ahead. Let them go. Go, 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 go. I'm going to take care of it. I just want you to listen. Have you ever thought about it this way? When someone says something foolish and they continue something foolish, how about just saying, you know what? I'm going to hear what they got to say because eventually they'll catch themselves in a trap. Versus being like, ha, you see, right here, this is wrong, that's wrong, this is right. Guys, if we can all agree on one thing, a person who practices foolishness is going to give foolishness and say foolishness. So don't, don't try to fight that battle. Instead, Go to the battles that really make sense. And that, that takes discernment. It takes patience. And guys, it takes one key thing, the Holy Spirit. We all need that in many situations of our lives. Next slide, please, Nicole. So when talking with people, we have a habit to be more inclined to release a resolution, right? It happens. I mentioned this on week one. However, I want you guys to really meditate on this second part. Is every scenario built for you to be the missing variable or puzzle piece? Think about that. Like someone, let's say Rafi walks up to me and he's just like, you know what, Ken, uh, I got I to gotta talk about something. I got to share something. Uh, I, I got I to tell you how I feel, tell you what, what's going on through my mind, through my heart. And, and I want you to just listen and give me some advice. As if, that, if that happens, if that's taking place, and I'm not really listening fully to Rafi, I can't even miss out an opportunity, to, an opportunity for Rafi to bless me. When Rafi and I were washing each other's feet about two months ago, it was amazing that I thought I was prime and ready to release such a powerful word over him. Like, I really thought that Rafi, I'm like, yo, God's giving me some stuff for you right now. Rafi, what ended up happening that night? Rafi hit me with that just... Reverse, he crossed me up with, with the Holy Spirit wisdom. And I was just like, whoa, like that's something that I needed there, man. Like that was, that was, that was something that he didn't even know. And we spoke about it after. It was something that he didn't even know about me, yet I needed to hear. Sometimes you're in a situation where you are fully convinced that this person has nothing and you have everything. Which is why you think you have to keep filling and filling. What if God sends a donkey your way? Your donkey starts talking to you and he starts correcting you. Would you find that offensive? I've been in the gospel for 17 years. I don't know. No donkey gives me orders. No. It doesn't work that way. You see, what ends up happening here is we have to understand that not every situation is going to be for you to fill it. Sometimes God will send you a person. Ananias literally was in the Bible for one phrase, and he came to take the scales off of Paul, and he was gone. Paul, however, wrote all the letters to the church. How amazingly influential is that? Are you, missing, are you missing a puzzle piece that God is providing for your life? Maybe some of you have been praying, send me a good friend. Send me somebody to teach me how to steward my finances. Send me um, just something that can help me in this season. And God's like, you know what? I'm going to send you a cultivator. I'm going to send you a person who's going to give you what you need in this moment. But it might be dressed or disguised in something else. You might think that, you know what? It's not really dressed as a gift. So I'm going to sow into it. It didn't come gift wrapped, so you're like, oh, I have to impart. What if you have to implement what this thing is telling you to do? What if all of a sudden you get married, and now you're like, here comes Kobe. Okay, Kobe's doing different ministry. I got to make sure I minister Kobe because she needs, you know, the shepherd. She needs a brother. Uh, here comes Kobe correcting all my finances. I was like, whoa, that's pretty dope. I needed that. All of that led up to a day like today where Laura and I get to celebrate the fruit of what we've been doing. You see that? So it's powerful because sometimes if, if, if you just break the mindset that I need to be the, the one important thing for everybody else, that also breaks pride and ego. You could be like, you know what? I love that Brian's here. Brian, teach me what you know. Show me what you have. I really want to get to know those, that information and knowledge you have. That's what forms relationships. What's the next slide, Nicole? 
When I came to Christ, I, I love this. When I personally came to Christ, I knew I had so many talents, so many gifts, so many accomplishments, and knowledge to contribute. I mean, guys, I had things that I was like, Lord, I'm ready. Here we go. I gave my life. I'm the apostle's son. I'm ready to contribute. I graduated with my bachelor's degree. I worked in the sports industry for the NHL and for the NFL. I studied for, I attained wisdom from life's trials and mistakes, and I had a full family. I had a mother, a father, siblings. The only thing I was missing was a dog. That's the only thing. My house, a white picket fence. That's the only thing I was missing. In other words, there was plenty to boast about and boast in. I could have came here and said, you know what? All of y'all are struggling. All y'all are messing up. Let me tell you how it is. But God was like, uh-uh. You came here because your heart needs correction. Because your character needed molding. You needed to know who I am. Not religiously. Not for when you see on media. But what my word really means. What it's going to do. The transformative power of what my gospel has done in you. And every person it's come in contact with. I want to read this passage. I literally could not stop at any point in this passage. We're going to read together Philippians 3 completely right now. And I want you to hear what Apostle Paul is saying. I want you to hear what he's discussing, what he's sharing in his heart. That's really going to help all of us today kind of change our perspective of when to implement and when to impart. Nicole, if you may, I'm going to need some help reading this because I want you guys to kind of, honey, if you could start, please. We'll kind of play some popcorn here. My beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. I don't mind repeating what I've already written you because it protects you. Beware of those religious hypocrites who teach that you should be circumcised to please God. Hmm. For we have already experienced heart circumcision, and we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done, not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. Okay. We boast in... Go back real quick, please, Nicole. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done. What if somebody, Brian, I'm going to use you an example. What if someone walks up to you and requires and also desires your area of expertise? Say, Brian, I need some help with the bass. I need help. I'm not sure what's going on, dude. Playing, fingers are bleeding. I, don't even, it's like, I can't hit the same right notes. What's going on here? It's very easy in that moment to be like, whew, this is cake. This is easy. I got you. I'm going to help you out, bro. We'll teach you. Now, when you teach the person, you're helping the person, that sounds like it's, it's a good, perfect moment. You're taking advantage of the gifts God has given you and the talents and using it for the good, correct? But what if God's like, you know what? I didn't even want you talking about those sharp talents you have. I wanted you to simply boast in what I have done for you. So you can tell him, listen, next time do this. But then as you're tugging on those strings, you got to look for his heart strings. Because God will allow those circles, because at the end of the day, we're like, wow, here we go, I did it. He learned the bass. He's good. He's going to play the bass for Jesus Christ. It's going to happen one day. But what if he was depressed? What if he was broken and he was looking for what you have, not what you're good at? We're a light, not because of our talent. Our talent is the rope that brings him into the light. But you don't just say, hey, look what I got for you. Then you open up your jacket like some you know, weird person selling things on the street. Like, no, you say, this is what I have for you. And what's crazy about this is we are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done and not what we can accomplish in our own strength. You know why a lot of us are tired? Because we're bench pressing our talents all day long and not walking in the spirit. We're showing everybody what we're good at, how capable we are, what we can accomplish, but none of it is for spiritual sowing or spiritual food. The next verse, please. Shermaine, you want to take that? It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. Ooh. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments more than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. Wait, real quick. I relied. I, so it's true that I once relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and impress people with accomplishments more than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. It was spot on. I didn't need to do anything else because I already accomplished everything I needed to do. Let's keep reading. 
I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, mm. living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. Mm. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the messianic believers with religious zeal. Real quick. Look at all this. I actually looked this up because I never understood what it meant to be birthed and be circumcised on the eighth day. Apparently, that was like the day for men. Like that was a day that you got circumcised and that was like almost like, I guess, perfection as far as like being circumcised as a boy. And the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, um, uh, the, the Pharisee of all Pharisees, he says here, I was without a peer. Nobody could level with him. He was in his own league, if you may. Now, my question is this, what type, why would such a man who has everything that he was willing and desiring to accomplish need Jesus? This is what the world's internal battle is. Hold up. You're telling me I got to sell my assets. I got to give all these cars and these things, and I got to give away the things that I like to do to follow this man? Yeah, good luck with that. It's not happening. But what ends up happening here? All this stuff happens and hit him real quick with verse 7, May. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them, and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. Comparing to the delight in experiencing Jesus. This verse, it sounds, because you're reading, you're like, wow, it's powerful. But he ends up taking everything that I was great at and comparing it to just simply delighting in the Lord, and he said it was incomparable. I loved doing that. I love experiencing Jesus. Let me tell you something. There are moments in my life where I'm like, God, I know I can do something here. I can do something that's going to help somebody. I could be of a benefit to somebody. But what I really want to do is your will. And his will is very, very, very much different than what we think it is. I think Christianity, especially in this country, has mastered the inference of what God's will is. The educated guess, so to speak. I believe and I feel and I think that this is God's will. How about asking? How about intimacy? How about stripping yourself off of yourself and becoming what he wants you to be? I personally believe in my life, God is not interested in having sons and daughters guess the rest of their life. People think faith is guessing. No. I believe he has a, a great relationship with us. And I believe Jesus showed that the best because he would go somewhere and come back and know what he's doing. Wasn't that amazing? They were like, how do you know where you're going? Well, I have a food you don't know about. What's this food? You eating bread? You eating pizza? It's to will the Father. What does that sound like? It can't be like, so my man's sitting there eating air and calling the will of the Father. No, there was something he was receiving from heaven and he was executing. And Paul gets it here. He was like, wow, I did accomplish so many things, but I forsake that and I now regard it as nothing compared to what I can experience in God. How does this relate to what I'm teaching? Because if we keep thinking that if I follow religious obligations and I go to church and I teach people and I pray for them, somehow I'm fulfilling and pleasing God's will. Listen, sometimes God wants you to come to me in intimacy for a couple of days. Hey, fast for an afternoon. Hey, you know what? Talk to this person I have over here. Send a text message. Guys, it's amazing that back then, Jesus had a small territory to cover, which wasn't so small, but compared to our world now, we can reach everything. So imagine if we locked in with God. It doesn't even have to be your neighbor. It could be your neighbor, but it could be somebody across the globe. There's so many unique things a father wants to do with his children. And I feel like this right here, the delight of experiencing who? Christ Jesus, not as my friend, as my Lord. It's deep. If we can pass it on, we can go to the next one. Colby, if you can pick up from verse 8. Thank you, Laura May. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. Mm. It's all like a pile of manure to me now, so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. So that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing him as Lord again in all his greatness. That word is strong too, manure, like garbage heap. Like he was just like 
this is nothing. It was great. At one point I did it. And, and it's not that he didn't appreciate what he did, but this has value, more value than what he ever did. So it's almost like he wasn't, he was like, nah. He was like, this is so valuable that I forgot what this was. That's the crazy part. And that's what happened when you come to Christ. It's you, you're, you're so enamored by the value of who Jesus is that you look over there and be like, mm, no, I want this. That's the, and think about it. When you walk around like that, the, you're teaching, you're practicing, you're word hunting. I mean, I think a lot of times God has schooled me when he was like, I'm trying to get a preaching, trying to get a podcast going. And I go out there and I serve a person in Instacart and I love on them and I help them and I, you know, sweat and pull my, pull my, my groin, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, God gives me a message through the work of a servant, through serving somebody. Not like, God, give me the theological response to how I can impact true encounter tonight. No, sometimes you got to get in with him and he lets you leave his presence with something so precious that can help everybody, including yourself. The next uh, verse, you can hit that, uh, Kobe, too, number nine. My passion is to be consumed with him and not cling to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. Mm. My only righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. So my passion is to be consumed with him and not cling to my own righteousness. In the context of this verse and this passage, he's referring to the law, referring to works, referring to what the Israelites practice. But let me tell you something. What is your version of your own righteousness? Justifying what you're doing. Well, I didn't do this, but I do go to church. I'm going to church on Friday, bro. I'll see you there, man. Oh, I didn't pray for that person, but I promise you I'll be in Bible study. You see, th there's so many things that we do that we bring together, and we're like, this is my righteousness. But he says, real quick, let me put all that on a scale. My only righteousness will be his, based on the fullness of Christ Jesus, the very righteousness that comes from God. Think about that. He's delighting that he is his Lord, but it's also delighting because the only way for him to attain righteousness is one method. Not based on what he can consume, not a compilation of all these things and make it one righteousness. It's the righteousness that comes from God through the Lord Jesus. Carlos, can you read the next one? And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. Mm. I will be one with him in his sufferings and become like him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience a complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. Hmm. Check this out. Go back, you go back to that, Nicole. Kobe, let me ask something, Kobe. Person has a great week. Coaching them, selling life apps, getting the verbiage down, doing all those things. High five, give them a nice, hey, good job. Now, do we just take a break week two and just say, we'll, we'll, we'll hit back third week? We'll just go every other week? <laughs> but think about it this way. Let, guys, read this again. Now with that example, read it this way. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. You guys know the term working. Not what worked five years ago. Not like, oh yeah, I remember back in the days I used to evangelize the blocks. But now I just sit home and watch listen to podcasts and videos. No, he is continually longing to know the wonders of Jesus. I want to find myself, in other words, I want to find myself in more situations so I get a bigger and bigger and bigger sample size of Jesus working and me just being like, wow, Jesus, you're amazing. So think about that. It's the overflowing power resurrection. The term, I want you guys to understand that. If I was like Mike Todd, I would do a whole presentation right now. Take like a glass, you pour it, and it just keeps overflowing. You don't say overflowing and fill it halfway, correct? No. Overflowing is an action of a cup going beyond what it can, what it can contain. And here he's like, I want it working in me. Whether it's me listening to a preaching, whether it's me helping a person, whether it's me, whatever it's going to cause, I want to be a part of that. Which is why so many young Christians were getting so lost in like, but I want the preaching to be about grace. I'll be about my studies, be about my purpose. Listen, if you're going to sit in a church and listen to an elder speak or anyone speak, let it edify your spirit. Because maybe God's depositing in something for you for later on. Y'all take a seed and crush it and eat it? No, you plant it and eat the harvest. 
So we have to understand that. And only then, listen to this, this is Apostle Paul, so please give ear. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection. The term only then means bottleneck. It's the only way to do it. You can come from all the globe, but you have to go to this gate. The next verse, please, uh, uh, Carlos. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to make me his own. Wow. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. instead. I love this part. See, right now in this class, everyone can agree on this first part. I admit, I'm not there yet. And Apostle Paul really, it just helps everybody. Like, oh, wow, he was a, he was a powerhouse. But this guy admits he wasn't even there yet. And but I, Okay, so yet acquire the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his what? His scarcity, into his abundance, so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I love this because the word says in John 15, hey, my friends, my disciples, y'all didn't choose me, I chose you. So right here he says, not that I went to him, but he took hold of me. Why did he take hold of me? What was the purpose that Jesus took me out of the world and brought me to his heart? So that I can give him orders of how I worship him? I give you this and you give me that? No, he's saying, I, he says, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this because if I do, it'll crush me. However, I do one compelling, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. What does my Lord want to do? What does my king want to do? King, I'm here every single day. What do you please to do? It sucks because sometimes we go to the throne room and we're like, Lord, how are we doing? Real quick, before you give me your orders, hear me out. I got some stuff I got to do today. And if I get them done, you give me a deadline. I'll get it done, but just give me a minute. We cool? What happens? But we don't come into the throne room and say, Father, you... You selected me. So for me to tell you how it's going to get done, this, is, this doesn't work. There's something not working here. If you picked me and I didn't pick you, it's almost like, guys, it's like Kara and Luca being born, and then we get in the baby seats, and they drive us home. Think about that image. Barely can see. Crying for to be nurtured. It doesn't make sense. So why would someone that God chose lead Christ into what needs to get done? We cannot be imparting into people until we fully implement and understand that I was chosen, I was elected, I was predetermined. It was everything from the beginning of the foundation. He already chose everybody here, and now he wants to release his strategy over everybody. And he's saying, guys, I know you've been hurt, you've been betrayed, you've been abandoned, but you put that in the past, and you focus what I have for you now and for the future. Thank you, Carlos. Crystal, if you could take on the next one. <clears throat> this is going to be verse 14. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Mm. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize following one path with one passion. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through Jesus, right? I love this part. This is the part where I was stuck on for so long. So let all who are fully what? Mature have the same passion. And guess what? He's like, you know what? Sounds kind of exclusive. Let me break it down for you. If you don't, if not really fully mature yet, and if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. You want to know when you're, when you're really ready and you're experiencing the solid food of the word and you're growing in it and you're giving people, not only you're giving people, but you're also getting in. 
a fully mature person knows I have to eat and I have to give. What happens when we're immature? We just give, 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 or we eat, eat, eat. We're either spiritually obese or spiritually anorexic. So he's like, there has to be a balance here. And I know a lot of people haven't gripped it quite yet. But God will reveal it to them. The dependence goes back to God. He doesn't want you to say, you know what, go back to your books, go back to your intellect, go back to your skills, go back to God. He's going to reveal what you're missing and what you need to become an imparter of my light and my word. But we skip this process and we go over it because you know what? I have all these talents, God. Why would you let me go to school here? Why would you give me this money? Why would you give me this for me to shut up for three years? Maybe because we're not gripped by the desires of chasing the heavenly goal given by our Lord Jesus. And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize following what? Many paths and many passions. No, one passion, one heart, one mind, together united. That's what makes a church so beautiful. I was talking to my cousin James, and he was like, what makes fellowship so beautiful is that one day I'm going to help Shermaine get up, and the next day Shermaine will help, help me get up. And this never ends until we go to heaven. This is not Christianity. Brian, you having a hard day? Brian, guys, it's all right, man. I'm with you. We'll talk it out. Hey, Brian, this is going on in my life. That happened one time to us. You gave me a whole, you ministered me a whole time when I was working in Instacart. And I almost cried trying to buy food for a customer. But the truth is, that's what it's meant for. This is what it's all about. There's going to be a time to what? Ecclesiastes says a time for everything under the sun. And there's going to be times for you to give and sometimes time for you, you, for you to receive. So this right here, let all who are fully mature have the same passion. We are, the fruit of our maturity is by, is by this passion. And if we're still struggling to get there, don't worry about it. God's not mad at you. He'll just help you. He'll cultivate with you. So he's a good father, right? What's the definition of that? Uh, Rafi, can you read the next one? This is verse 17. My beloved friends, imitate my walk with God and follow all those who walk according to the way of life we modeled before you. Mm. For there are many who live by different standards. As I've warned you many times, I weep as I write these words. Wow. They are enemies of the cross of the anointed one and doom awaits them. Their God has possessed them and made them mute. Their, their boast is in their shameful lifestyles and their minds are in the dirt. Wow. But we are a colony of heaven on earth as we cling tightly to our life giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Go back to 20, for, I mean, uh, yeah, 19 for me, I think it is. I'm sorry, 18. For there are many who live by different standards. As I, as I warned, you, warned you many times, and I weep as I write these words, they are enemies of the cross. The next verse says pretty much, the, and then, yeah, you go to the next one, please, Nicole. It pretty much says, you know, they're boastful and they're shameful lifestyles, their minds are dirt, they're mute. You know, they might look like the thing you want to follow. They might have the followers, they might have all the things, but what they're teaching is, is, it's futile. What they're communicating to you might make sense to your flesh, but your spirit's like, what? No. And that's the thing. The more and more our spirit is deflating and there's spiritual attacks and spiritual realities happening in front of us, the flesh will come up and say, no, you're just, you're getting emotional. You're dreaming. It's just, just your spirit's always on alert. And in this case, it's saying, hey, be careful of people out there who are teaching things, certain styles, certain methods, certain ways. Or, or worse, all they want to do is teach. Who, uh, who feeds you? Holy Spirit. Oh, must be nice. Every day? Yeah, every day he gives me a word for everybody else. Not for yourself. No, you know, I'm working at it. Man, it's sad because if God designed us that way, why would he call us a body? Why would we be called his bride, a body? Why would there be such a phrase if everything was meant to be just one person glorifying himself? Jesus already took that mantle. But we are a colony of heaven on earth as we cling tightly 
to our life giver, the Lord Jesus. Go to the next verse, please, Nicole. Who will transform our humble bodies and transfigure us into the identical likeness of his glorified body. And using his matchless power, he continually subdues everything to himself. I suggest you guys would read that and amplify it and message. That's a very powerful passage in, in Philippians chapter 3. But I want to continue here because I do have some stuff before we uh, wrap up tonight's class. When we remain boastful, prideful, and reliant on our own accomplishments, and we think that I am the earth's, I mean, the heaven's gift to this place, that I'm the best person ever to, to want to this, there will be no room in our hearts to produce the following things. Number one. When you remain boastful, the proper method of communication. When you have all that boast, all that ego, all that pride living inside of you, you're going to start telling people things that, oh, you need to know this, 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 and that. And the person, what they were really trying to ask you is, can you help me get out of suicidal thoughts? Think about that. There are, there are business owners, there are church leaders who all their, they have a vocabulary search. All they want to hear is certain things. Oh, you're boring. No, oh, you're too much. Oh, you're naggy. We have to develop a proper method of communication, which is understanding, loving, and appropriate conversation. I want to hear you out. What's going on? I love when I, when I see people not bearing fruit. I've, I, the reason why I'm so different with it, because I've, I've seen so commonly someone take out an ax and just chop them in half because they're like, you're not bearing any fruit. You are worthless. So I simply dive deeper. What, what's happening? Talk to me. What's bothering you? What's affecting you? What's rattling in your heart right now? When you really want to develop how and when you're going to communicate and how and when the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and when you're going to say certain words, you have to develop communication. We can't just be like, I hope they think, they hope they know what I'm thinking. That's what kills so many relationships. They should know me by now. What if they don't? What if they're busy with their life? What if so many parts are moving? And that's why God, what does God say? Just humble yourself first. It's such a foundational piece. Humble yourself and look at it from the scope that I'm delivering here. Number two, the correct attitude and heart, the word must reflect your actions or your words. The word has to be coming out of you. There's sometimes God is presenting you a perfect scenario, not for you to say, look what I learned in college, but for you to say, you need Jesus right here. And it's so tempting to be like, oh, I know the answer to this, and I can bail them out from this. But if we bail them out, and they continue on that track of wherever the Satan's trying to drag them to, maybe you are that lasting effort, that last messenger for the kingdom of God to help them spiritually. So, the correct attitude and heart, the heart posture to say, you know what? It's not so much that I'm here to battle flesh and blood, but I'm here to listen. I'm here to have a correct response. I'm here to say, you know what? Maybe this needs the word, not my intellect. And I, I get crushed by that because people were like, ask me the question, well, is it Trump? Is it Biden? Is it this or that? And I'm trying to give intellectual responses. When the reality is I'm, I'm, I'm forsaking that there is a spiritual mess. I somehow convinced myself that this is what needs to be said and not so much because I think that, but because I'm fearful of what they're going to say to me. If I tell them they need Christ, they're going to just call me a religious Christian. They're going to say that you're a fanatic. Don't talk to me by the way. Come on, give me a real answer. This is the answer you need. And not that you're going to say it that way, but now you have to partner with them and say, Lord, look at my heart and I'm ready to go. Whatever you want to say here, let's partner up. Don't let everything that you think is correct come shooting out of your mouth. Let him process wisdom in you. The third thing, the fruit of the Spirit. Guys, there are situations, and this is, I've, oh my God, I love this because there are situations that you're in front of that God, all he's saying is, I want to sharpen you. No other reason. Oh, it's because you want me to get this person? Nope. Oh, I got to pray for him. Nope. I'm just sharpening you. That's all it is. 
Yeah, but God, I mean, I, said, I prayed, I fasted. Right, so you know who I am, right? You think Job asked for this? No. There are moments outside of your little bubble of paradise that you consider your life that I am doing something as a father. And I know what you need. I know when is to get worked on. So there are some things that enter your life, like that guy who cuts you off. Today, my first delivery was horrific. Lady refunded six items. I'm like, I'll just get the other version of it. No, I don't want that. Okay, so what do you want to do? Refund half the order. I'm like, I've never had that. I'm like, well, you might as well cancel the whole thing. And I'm sitting there, an order that I told myself, it'll take 15 minutes. It's like a whole hour and a half. I'm just like, wow, God, this day sucks. And then I go buy a truck and he blesses me. So who's the fool? Sometimes God just wants to process you in the moment. It has nothing to do with, oh my God, I sinned that I messed up. No, Brian, you know what? Guess what? You need patience. So take a whole bunch of your coworker. Go ahead. In abundance. Toma, recibe. You're going to have her all day long, and I want you to gain patience. But that's not father-like. Oh, it's not? Then who's your dad? The God who gives you everything. The father of lies? No. He has something invested. He's chosen you, and there's stuff he wants to do, and what a church needs, what a vessel of God needs is the character of Christ. Number four, heavenly wisdom instead of earthly knowledge. Again, discernment and wisdom. There's so many times where I know you have the answer, but just knock on heaven's door and say, Lord, this situation sounds way too easy for me to kind of jump in and give myself. So what do you have to say about this? Can we have a conversation about what needs to be said here? Because what I mean by this phrase here is, there will be moments where the perfect sentence on the tip of your tongue, but maybe you say, God, I don't really know if that's what needs to be said, so I'm going to inquire of you like David did. The Palestinians are attacking in a certain way. What do I do here, God? Oh, go down the center. Great. Second time. Same, same issue, same problem. Go around the middle and catch them midway. Oh, okay. I, it's, it's, it's tempting to want to find every, it's almost like, have you ever caught yourself trying to make every, or find every situation have like a common denominator? So it's like, oh, it's the same person, but you're, you're like, you know, you're taller. Like, no, it's like, oh, I've heard it before, but you know, no, let it be unique. Let it be unique. Don't, don't compare it to anything. Say, you know what? This is a different person, a different day. It was cloudy then. It's sunny today. How can I deal with this? How can the Lord edify my heart and this person? That kind of makes it adventurous, too. Because what happens is, like, you're sitting there like, okay, hurry up. I'm going to give you the response. I'll give the other person. No, God wants to make it unique. Maybe the other person was an introvert. There's an extrovert. Maybe the other person had faith. This person has no faith. Look for heavenly wisdom even when you think everything's already figured out. Last thing. Sorry, I didn't put the, I didn't put the last one. Sorry, last one is a servant heart. Um, wow, when you produce a servant heart, man, there is a, it comes with a lot of humbling. Uh, having the servant heart is, is not easy at all. And developing that is something that takes a lot of dying to yourself. God will literally put you in positions and situations that you do not like in order to develop that. But the servant heart and the servant mindset really is something that is going to help you be a proper sharer of the word and also receive, receiver of the word. So just know that the moment you humble yourself and you serve God in every area is when you're probably going to be used the most because he knows he can give you a plethora of information or he can give you one little word and you'll listen because you develop obedience when you're a servant. I want you guys to live by this. Uh, live by this. Uh, let it be the gauge or measurement for when to implement or when to impart. Uh, this quote right here is by Theodore Roosevelt. If you can go to the next slide. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. A lot of us don't care about this. And we're just like, well, I've been assigned to you. I'm your teacher. You'll listen. Or repercussions. Or maybe you were positioned with purpose. Maybe God put you there for a reason. Maybe the person isn't listening to your advice because they sense that there is no connection here. Maybe... I know what you're saying, but I just can't, we can't, there's no link. So I feel what you're telling me is more of an order than 
coming together, having an actual relationship. And this also is a, it's a destroyer of churches, of businesses, because everything becomes numbers now. You're a person sitting in my chair. You're a business. That, you're a person that makes me money. You're a person that and everything is just now is just statistics. Nothing is relationship anymore. So people, quite frankly, whether you like it or not, you're butthurt or not about it, they're not going to care how much you know. They don't Listen, you can throw all the knowledge in the world, all the information, everybody. But if, if you don't care, if they don't, if you, they feel like you just, I, I feel like that's what Jesus did. And it almost, what's scary is that it irritated the Pharisees. It irritated the Pharisees how much he cared about people. They were like, again, if you guys watched the last episode of The Chosen, it's so crazy, crazy to see that come to life where he picks up his mat and he walks and the Pharisee comes running and says, why are you sinning? It's like, bro, this guy was just handicapped for his whole life and you're going to go after him and, and tackle him with regulations? It's like, it, it's, so you, hold up, you're telling me I got to sit down and obey this. And it's like, think about that. It's think about the process that for a second. Jesus comes in and gives him the care, the tender and the love. That produces a miracle. They want him, the other people want him to stay in regulations, in law. Hey, crossing lines, get back over here. And as long as you're there, they care. But then, it's in, and this is scary because this is how Satan operates. You do realize that Satan, when you were in the world, wasn't taunting you because you were under his spell. But the moment you come to Christ, he's like, oh, we're doing this now. So he goes and sends messengers to get you back. He, he wants you. He wants you to, to burn eternally. So God from the beginning showed the whole world how much he cared. And then everyone's like, well, it happened in Adam and Eve. Okay, you know what? I'm going to give the most powerful testimony of all time. I'm going to send myself and the version of my son to redeem everybody. God showed the world how much he cared. Not how much he knew, but how much he cared. John 3.16 should be the most powerful verses always on our tongue because every person can filter through that word. I know you feel condemned. I know you feel alone, isolated, but God loves you so much and he cares for you so much that although we were still sinners, although we were indulging in the flesh, he died for us. Maybe you should start looking at these very things. In this next slide, I'll, I'll break it down. You put that slide up, Nicole, please. I want you guys to have these, these questions and reflect them upon yourself. What do your, relations look, your relationships look like? How is your business or workplace? What does the fellowship at your church look like? If you were to ask the person closest to you right now, text them, message them, if you're right next to the room, ask that person, what evaluation or truth would they share about you? Would they say you care? Would they say that you're much more than numbers? Would they look at you? And you know what the worst part is? You're like, um, all right, Bri. I'll, I'll put it to the test. Bri, go ahead. You can share everybody how much I care about you. You're looking at me like, uh, I don't think we know each other, bro. We talk about, bro, like I, I helped you out. I bought you Jack from Express. We should know each other by now. It's like, no. There's something that goes deeper than that. And I want you guys to really understand this. Think about it. If you were to ask a person closest to you right now and say, listen, give me a real heart to heart right now. And if it hurts, it's going to hurt, but I got to hear it. Am I always bossy? Am I always bulldozing? Am I always telling you what I want to do? Am I always trying to share you my ideas, but never want to hear your ideas? I mean, think about that. We, if you are one-sided and always want to just impart, impart, and teach, and direct, and guide, and, and do all these things, but you're never willing to get anything, do you guys know that God shows major flaws through that? So let me put it this way. If we, if Brian and I can't connect, and we're not finding an even ground where I understand him, I love him, and I'm humble with him, what makes you think we're going to do that with an invisible being? So this relationship, the horizontal one, is displaying the vertical relationship with God. Because if I go here first, this gets impacted. So not only will I always want to teach, teach, teach Brian, but I got to listen to him. I want to talk to him. I want to have conversations with him. 
That's what makes that's what makes it so beautiful. This whole process of can when do I do it? I'm not sure if I'm doing it right or wrong. Connect with God. Let Him show you what's needed. And if He tells you today, Brian, do me a favor. I love your voice and I love your prayers. But you got to come to me and we got to talk. If the Holy Spirit's not doing that, who do you serve? Because I know one thing: the devil will tell you all day long. You're right. You're good. Keep going. We have to be very discerning of that. Nicole, there's another uh, thing there or no? Yes. Again, the question I leave you, are you imposing, are you imparting and bulldozing instead of implementing, listening, and loving? I leave that for everyone watching on Facebook. And it's interesting because if you really want to get maybe some, I guess, foundation or something deeper than my opinion to this, Matthew 16 talks about this. Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say, who do the people say I am? I think about that. Like, it's like, okay, I wonder why he's doing that. And they say, oh, he's your Elijah. You're a prophet. You're this. Yeah. And he says, who do you say I am? And then that's when Peter gets revelation from heaven and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Christ. And he goes, right you are, Peter. And it wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. And then he gives Peter identity. That one question, look how much came. It's like a, it's like a whole, like, you know, thread that came out of that. But think about that question. Why would he, the, the power of that conversation. And I want to help you guys because there are probably relationships in your life right now that are being affected negatively because you still have a negative outlook on yourself and you're still allowing toxins to run rampant through your body. Maybe sometimes that ego and that pride that you're fighting with is the reason why people don't like talking to you. Maybe sometimes you need to say, you know what, instead of me trying to teach today, I want to listen today. And it's never easy, but that's why we need to develop the fruit of the Spirit, which is why we need Christ, which is why we need God the Father. We need the whole three-part, all of them together working in us to heal this heart that is deceitful above all other things, where all the treasures of all those things that we really want come from here. But I know that the Lord is going to be healing us and, and, and transforming those very things inside of us. I believe that everyone here and those watching, you're going to have such a great discernment from when to impart, when to implement, when to teach, when to practice, when to give, when to receive. And that's what I feel like faith is centered around. To know that God is saying, today do this, today do this, because all of it is part of a plan. If you develop your own plan that gets you to heaven, is it the righteousness of God or your own righteousness? Today, let's learn together how to hear his voice how to make sure we're developing and cultivating what he wants us to, not so much what I want to do. We thank you guys so much for this. We conclude our next class. It'll be a lot more interactive, which is how to, I believe, impart, or how to practically impart onto people. And I hope you guys, if you can make it down here, please do because we have a whole activity designed for that. But we love you guys so much. We are grateful for your attendance. If you have any comments, any requests, leave them there. Nicole is back there ready to answer them. We love you guys so much. And until next week at 8, 10 p.m. You just heard the latest episode from Hope Ministries. We hope it blessed and impacted your life. If you liked it, please subscribe through either Anchor, Spotify, or any other platform you use to get your podcasts. God bless you, and we look forward to you joining us next time.